If you love mercy, it's because you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you're mourning for the reality of the life that you have, the existence you face before God. And and so you hunger and thirst for righteousness and, and desire mercy. And God is saying, and as you show it, you begin to understand it. So glad you joined us for today's Unlimited Grace, the audio broadcast ministry of pastor and author Brian Chappell. In today's lesson, Pastor Brian investigates the Sermon on the Mount found in the book of Matthew. In this well-known portion of scripture, Jesus is not only sharing a message of blessing, but also showing the law that reveals our need for a Savior. You can find this lesson and many others when you visit unlimitedgrace.com. And while you're there, look for Pastor Brian's book, Unlimited Grace. Dr. Chapel reminds us of the power and mercy of God's grace that motivates and inspires us to serve our Heavenly Father. Let's hear now from Dr. Brian Chapel as he shares the first half of the lesson, The Blessings of a King. What does grace look like? when you have a sermon of blessing and law that come together. I think of the recent account of Judge Ollie Neal from the Court of Appeals in the state of Arkansas. He records that he wasn't much of a student, hated high school, and as a senior, one day cut classes and tried to hide out in the library. Hiding among the stacks, he saw a book that had an alluring cover, and thought that might be a book that he should read. And so he took it and then realized that he would have to check it out with some of his female classmates who were working at the counter. And he did not want to do that, not because of the cover, but because they would see that he was interested in reading He said he was a tough guy, and he wanted them to know that all he could do was cuss and fight, not read a book. And so in order to be able to read and protect his reputation at the same time, he stuck the book under his jacket and left the library. A few weeks later, he'd finished the book, and so he brought it back. But even as he was replacing it in its slot on the shelf, he noticed there was another book by the same author. And so he borrowed that book too. A few weeks later, brought it back. There was another book by the same author on the shelf. He borrowed that, came back. Another book by the same author. By the end of that semester, he had read all of the books of that author. Years later, he discovered that his sneakiness had not been quite as sneaky as he thought. He was at a high school reunion, and the school's now ancient librarian, Mildred Grady, which I must say is the absolute best name a librarian could have, (laughs) Mildred Grady said to him, I saw you take the book the first time. But Mrs. Saunders and I, the library assistant, wanted you to be able to read. And so each time you took a book by that author, 
We got in the car and we drove the two-hour round trip to Memphis to find another book by that author so that when you brought it back, there'd be another one for you. And so she provided for him a love of reading that became essential for his life and career and ultimate success. You know, grace comes in lots of versions, but the common thread all the way through is someone providing for someone else who does not deserve it and may even deserve punishment except for the mercy of the one who provides. That message is here, if we will see it, in this Sermon on the Mount where there is such emphasis upon the law of God. It's the highest expression of God's law in all the Bible and it's being given by Jesus who's supposed to bring the grace of God. How does that fit? We certainly see Jesus' intent to bless. I mean, that's the opening. You have read or known these beatitudes, starting out verse three and four. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I will tell you in any Sermon on the Mount, it's always proper to try to identify, all right, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it mean to mourn? Who are the meek? And, and to do lots of definitions of terms, but here's where we are, guys. We, we are going to look at the entire Sermon on the Mount before lunchtime today, and we can't do that. I'm going to ask you to follow your instincts. You kind of have a sense of what those terms will mean. What is the gospel path you are being led down? Surely, Jesus is promising to bless, but he is first promising blessing for those who need the help of God. Verses three through five. There are people who are broken in some way. They are poor in spirit. They're dispirited, depressed, aching in some way. There are those who mourn that is someone or something that is precious to them has been taken away. There are those who are meek, They are without the power or the boldness to correct their own situation. And Jesus describes them as receiving some blessing from him. He he doesn't just describe those who are requiring his help. He then describes those who are reflecting his heart as they receive blessing too. Blessing is promised in verses six through nine for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for those who are merciful, for those who are pure in heart, for those who are peacemakers. Notice they're not just reflecting the heart of God, but even as they reflect the heart of God, they are receiving blessing from the heart of God. If you say, how can those who hunger and thirst for righteousness be satisfied? The answer is actually in the next verse, verse seven. Those who show mercy, Receive mercy. If you love mercy, it's because you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you're mourning for the reality of the life that you have, the existence you face before God. And and so you hunger and thirst for righteousness and, and desire mercy. And God is saying, and as you show it, you begin to understand it and to receive it. And those who receive mercy from God, verse eight are pure in heart by his work. He's shown mercy. 
And as the gospel's beginning to unfold, we recognize the purities, even for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, by some blessing from God that makes them pure in heart so that they could fulfill his purposes. And what are those purposes? We don't have to guess the purposes of Jesus. When he came, the angels announced peace on earth, goodwill toward those on whom his favor rests. And the apostles told us, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Jesus himself would say, peace I give you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives it, but as I give it. I give you peace. For Jesus to give that peace that would reconcile us to God and make us even desire to be peacemakers for his namesake, to reflect him in the way that he has treated us, we recognize grace again. But we should also recognize that grace was expensive for Jesus to offer, as it may also be for us. This past week was bring your Bible to school day included. And some of you know that the New Orleans Saints quarterback, Drew Brees, created a video for Focus on the Family, which he encouraged students across the country to bring their Bibles to school, and he was excoriated for it. Newsweek magazine reported Brees recorded a video produced by an anti-gay group. Another magazine described Focus on the Family as anti-gay extremist. Why? They promote biblical truths and values, reserving sexual expression for a marriage between a man and a woman. How dare they? And to our young people, we are so proud of you. How Many of you not only gathered at the pole for prayer in your schools in recent weeks, but led in the movement to lead students and teachers to prayer before God. Listen to Jesus, as you may have received some scorn for that. Verses 11 and 12, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For great is your reward in heaven. What path have we gone down? Jesus said, those who are broken, those who mourn, who are poor in spirit, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, receive mercy. Even as they are showing it, they understand more of the mercy of the God who gives them what they do not deserve. And they respond in gratitude, reflecting his character, even becoming peacemakers where it is so difficult and they may be persecuted for doing it. It is the path of the gospel, not, not in full bloom yet. Jesus has not died on the cross yet, but, but he is helping people know if you mourn for who you are, your situation between your, you hunger and thirst for a righteousness that is beyond your attainment, then, then you love mercy and you begin to show it. And what you're doing is you're reflecting God's own heart for you that he has revealed. But it's so hard for us to follow that path. We almost say, well, I've kind of done the best I can and certainly better than those people over there. And so Jesus knows that with the intent to bless, he must first break us 
from ourselves. You're listening to Unlimited Grace, the audio broadcast ministry of pastor and author Brian Chappell. Change, real change, is, is hard. In fact, some people would claim that no change is really possible. But the truth is, it is possible. You can be different. You can overcome uh, your struggle with sin or that addiction. But it won't be happening simply by turning over a new leaf or trying a little harder. The real power of change is ignited when we take hold of God's amazing grace. And in the book, Unlimited Grace by Pastor Brian Chappell, he shows you how Unlimited Grace takes you on a journey to discover how grace not only frees you from the guilt and shame of a sinful life, but also provides the daily fuel needed for joy and strength in your Christian life. Take hold of God's grace, and it is the key to finding true life change. Request your copy of Unlimited Grace. That's the title of the book. When you go online to unlimitedgrace.com and the web address again, unlimitedgrace.com. And now more from Brian Chappell on today's Unlimited Grace. Jesus knows that with the intent to bless, he must first break us from ourselves. How does he do that? Verses 17 and 18. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, for those of you of the King James, not a jot or a tittle, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. This is still before you. The heart of God, which you must follow in obedience. Well, does he mean that? Examples? Each example he gives will be broken as a new subject area by saying, you've heard this, but this is what's really true. The first example, verse 21, you have heard it said, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Well, that's an easy box for most people to check off. I haven't murdered anybody. I'm, I'm home free. Except that Jesus continues in verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Bring angry with someone will bring you under judgment? I, I, I mean, if you insult somebody, you're breaking the commandment against murder? And if you name call you will go to hell. Surely he's not serious about that. Reminds me of the words of civil rights activist Fannie Lou Hamer who once said, ain't no such thing as I can hate anybody and see God's face. Is Jesus serious? Verses 23 and 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come to offer your gift. And our minds just begin to rebel. Jesus can't possibly mean that. 
this is unreasonable. This is unrealistic. It's an impossible standard. Look at what that person said to me. Look at what that person said about me and my family, how they insult us. Look, look how everybody in our society talks about other people in the media, in politics, in social media, or in the comment sections of the website. Let's be serious. So Jesus says, verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is just getting started. Next example, verses 27 and 28. You've heard it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. But Jesus, the way people dress nowadays, the the longings I feel because my spouse is no longer warm or affectionate, the images that are pushed at me on the TV and the billboards and the internet. You can't possibly be serious. But he is. Verses 29 and 30, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, Cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Our temptation is to believe that Jesus can't be realistic because he doesn't know our times and our struggles and he just lived in a more holy day. Don't kid yourself. Those of you who have been with me in the Holy Land or the lands where the apostles ministered recognize that Sexual evil was more perverse and more rampant and more open than in any time in our society, including now. Just just days before Jesus would go to the cross for his crucifixion, he would go to Caesarea Philippi, where everybody went for the theme park dedicated to sexual perversion that was excused for religious purposes. Things so awful we can't talk about them in ordinary company. And yet it was done for entertainment and for religion. And it was just open as open could be for all ages, for all people. And it's that very place that Jesus went before his crucifixion to say the kingdom of God is advancing and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He knew exactly what he was talking about and he knew exactly what would tempt us. He will, lest you think about plucking out eyes or cutting off hands, he will provide a power other than that. Stick with me. He's not done with this sermon. There is an alternative to self-mutilation. It comes from him. But so that we will seek one, he adds another example, verses 31 and 32. It was also said... Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. There are probably not more hurtful words 
in the entire Bible than these from Jesus for any who have experienced the pain and the heartache of divorce. Why would he speak so? He is not insensitive. Rather, he is dealing with the rampant evil of his time where people would quote the law of Moses. I can get a divorce if my wife doesn't please me for virtually any reason. She's not as young as she used to be. She doesn't please me anymore. She makes me late to church. She's now expecting a child. The child she gave me is not whole in some way. We've lost track, but if you travel in the Middle East, you recognize even to this day, there is what is called the practice of pleasure marriages, where men, to protect themselves from the charge of adultery, get, get permission from a holy man to marry a young woman of even adolescent age for a few months or weeks or days or hours to use her until you get the writ of divorce. And so you have serial wives to please the man as the woman becomes a commodity used and discharged to a life of absolute horror. And Jesus is saying the marital unfaithfulness is such a breach of the marriage covenant as God intended it that that alone is the justification for ending a marriage. And the Apostle Paul, well knowing the pleasure marriages then and now, said, and irremediable desertion as well, where somebody just walks out in heart, in distance. That is a form of unfaithfulness too. And Jesus is protecting women and children from the commodification that men were able to experience and express in that day. Jesus keeps looking at the law and he just won't let us escape it. This is what it really requires. Not not the ways in which you kind of characterize it and stereotype it. No, God is not looking on the outward appearance. He's looking on your heart. Hi friend, this is Pastor Brian. I'm glad you decided to tune in and listen and I would consider it a privilege to pray over you today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege we have to come to you in prayer. Your word says that we can come to you about anything, not just the big things and not just the things that we think we have figured out. Instead, you love us so much that you say do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, For your certain care, we can offer our requests to you. And then because we know that the God who controls all the outcomes of things on earth and for eternity cares this much for us, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds for whatever we face with Jesus. We do not expect our prayers to end all our trials before Jesus comes, but we know that you will use our prayers, Father, 
to make all things work together for good until Jesus returns. Thank you for this promise and assurance. Give us the peace and the strength we need through these promises and assurances we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. That's Pastor Brian Chapel, and you've been listening to Unlimited Grace. If you've missed anything that you'd like to hear once again, just visit unlimitedgrace.com. While you're there, also be sure to request a copy of the book from Dr. Brian Chapel called Unlimited Grace. We'll send you a copy right away as our way of saying thank you for your most generous financial support. Once again, go to unlimitedgrace.com or you can give by calling 844-41-GRACE. That's 844-414-7223. Please be sure to join us next time as once again we endeavor to put Christ at the center of our efforts so that lives might be transformed by His unlimited grace. This ministry is brought to you by Unlimited Grace Media and continues to be made possible with your generous financial support.